Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Yeah, you, fearsome and generous, humble and honest, in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. Every week, We meet at this table to experience, inspire, educate, encourage, and empower each other through our joys and, yes, our lessons learned. We share topics that tradition tells us there's some things you just don't talk about. But here we live beyond both the judgment and the wreckage. We share some aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for too long. Every week we start right where we are. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. However, you must come dressed in your inner awesome, believing that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, Cablecast on Cox and Verizon Files, Channel 37 and Comcast, Channel 27 in Reston. And we are webcast worldwide on the internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Should you miss us, no worries. You can hear our archive shows wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Just key in, frankly speaking, with Tyra G. Or visit the media room on my website, tyragarlington.com and if you like to connect with me offline it's easy as many of you've discovered at tyra at tyragarlington.com thanks so much for listening in and thank you Courtney Nero for composing and performing our frankly speaking theme song and for naming it I'm listening This week we celebrate, again, phenomenal women who walk into this space through many doors. They willingly share their stories authentically and often vulnerably in order to pay forward what they have learned and to celebrate each other. Thank all of you ladies and men. To set a common thought space for today's conversation, consider the following quote from one of my favorite coaches, Iyana Vansan, in her 2000 book, Until Today. I want you to listen for a new twist about the origin of the power you have within. And I quote, Life is always accommodating my request. Life will accommodate you in any way that you choose. Life is always listening to the silent request of your heart and mind. Life is always surveying the landscape of your heart, gathering the bits and pieces of the emotions buried there. Life is always monitoring the activity of your tongue, checking for ruins and sacred elements. Life knows that your mind, heart, and mouth will produce the request of your consciousness, even when you're not aware of it. Life can be an open book through which you can learn about great mysteries and wonders, or life can be a mysterious and frightening pit through which you fear or tread, or 
Life can be a basket into which you can place your treasures, in which you carry abundant blessings. Or, life can be a locked trunk from which you can retrieve or receive nothing. Life can be a journey or a struggle, a paradise or a prison, a calm sea or a turbulent ocean. It's all up to you. Life will accommodate whatever you choose exactly the way you choose. And whether or not you believe it, what you have in your life right now is a function of your own request. Some of those requests you have made openly, others you have made silently. doesn't matter. Life is very accommodating, and the minute your requests change, your life will follow. Until today, you may not have realized that life is answering your request. You may not have believed that you have the power and the right to ask life for more than you already have right now. Just, just for today, be devoted to creating a life of positive, joyful request. Create them first in your mind. Next, create them in your heart. Then, speak them into existence. Be sure to remember what you've created. Repeat after me. Today I'm devoted to creating and requesting what I truly desire to experience in life. End quote. Today you'll meet two phenomenal women who have accessed their power within, asked questions of life, made decisions, first in their minds, then in their hearts, and then spoke their dreams into existence. They have found a positive, successful, and joyful path they call creative collaborations. When I looked at the title, I thought, well, if I had attempt to unpack that phrase, to me, creative would mean imaginative, innovative, inspired, and collaborations would mean partnership, relationship. But let me step back and welcome the sources of creative collaboration, Africa Bell Kuthuria and Michelle Sandford, to the Frankly Speaking Table, and let them share their journey to now, to creative collaborations, their why and the lessons learned and the joys discovered in a space that's created only by them. Now, my regular listeners know, when I have two guests on the show who have a relationship, I ask for each of them to introduce one another. I've discovered there is always an unexpected gift that gets unwrapped in the process. So, Africa and Michelle, I can't ask you to flip a coin, uh, but you have the mic. Africa, why don't you first introduce Michelle? Well, first, thank you so much for having us today and for giving me an opportunity to introduce a woman that uh, has many great talents and is a good dear friend of mine. Uh, we had the pleasure of working alongside each other as we both started our broadcast careers um, back in D.C. And uh, Michelle is a, excuse me, Michelle is a, sorry, <clears throat> Michelle is a, a Brooklyn native and a dedicated and seasoned television producer who has, by the way, worked behind the scenes on covering some of the most important and you know timely news stories of our day and she's also an aspiring um, writer working on her first manuscript so michelle has many talents as i mentioned before and she's also the host of two podcasts one for the book community 
And the other is the one that we collaborate on called the Zebra Ears. And so it is a great pleasure that I introduce your audience to a woman that is a wonderful collaborator, generous with her creative ideas and insightful feedback, and plus her friendship. So, mm. Michelle? Hello, <laughs> I'm Michelle, and I would like to introduce you to my smart and very funny friend, Africa. She is a native of Washington, D.C., and while she's a native of D.C., her parents hail from Georgia, and she is a true Southern lady. <laughs> it's no accident that she's so involved in so many things because her parents are just as magnetic as she is. She's a woman of faith and commitment, a graduate of Howard University School of Political Science, and she's a wife, mother of three amazing children. She's funny. She's charming. A lover of Downton Abbey and the Crown. Oh, yes. The behind, <laughs> <laughs> she's the creator behind APK Create the District of Creative and the Zebra School, which is the home of the Zebra Airs podcast on early childhood development education. She's a lover of TV, films, and filmmaking, a creative. She's energetic. She's full of ideas. And if you want to talk to somebody about your creative endeavors and get ideas and generosity back, she is your person because she's a natural networker, uh, writer, creator, and not only full of imagination, but full of the kindness that keeps friends creating. So I would like to introduce you to my dear friend, Africa Belkathiri. I, I want you to say that last sentence, the kindness that keeps, say that again, that's priceless. Can you remember? Oh, I, the kindness that keeps friends creating. Yes. Can I use that? That is sure. my, oh, yours. <laughs> Absolutely. See, we had a little... Didn't we have a collaboration just then? <laughs> you know what? It's yeah, interesting. Thank you for that. <laughs> I um, I love women collaborators. I love when we come together. It's something happens at heart to heart, spirit to spirit, and we look at one another and we realize the gifts that we've been given and we unwrap them. And uh, as a matter of fact, I want to ask you this. First of all, both of you have beautiful, creative backgrounds. And Africa, I'd like uh, for you, you said anybody interested in having an idea, needing to get from stop to go? <clears throat> we'll talk later, okay? Okay, we will. All right. Sounds good. So with all of the things that you're bringing to the table individually, how, how did your own professional backgrounds inform the process of creative collaborations in terms of success? I'll jump ahead and I'll steal this one out from under us and say that our collaboration started a little bit by accident. Oh. We went to Howard at the same time and never knew each other there. Um, Africa took the short road and I took the start leave and come back long road <laughs> okay. so we never knew each other there and we met working at c-span and we would work i think we worked nights and weekends together and we kind of perfected the look across the room when you can't talk <laughs> and that's where the, co the collaboration began 
you know, it was in that look across the room. And then finally they let us sit. I think we sat like back to back and that was how it started. I think <laughs> that's and then I think just the nature of working in a newsroom. Yes. Uh, someone, you can't look, there's no singular work, even though it may start that way, but the end product is always a collaborative effort of editors and producers in the field and cameramen. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where a lot of the sort of collaboration started. And like Michelle said, we sat right across from each other and we would, <laughs> we had certain eye signals and <laughs> certain ways of, you know, uh, you know, helping each other out in different, uh, different, you know, tasks at the, I think that's another characteristic uh, with women. I'm thinking about parenting, and I come from a generation where my mother just had to look at me, and I knew what was going to happen, okay? It was happening in the look, and I knew it was going to be exacerbated and so much more colorful when we got private. And so I think think friendship can, like yours did, start with a look of knowing that we're at the same place at the same time, having the same reaction. So uh, I bet there are a lot of people listening thinking, yeah, yeah, I see you. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of oh, things yeah. happened. Um, now, Michelle, when you introduced Africa, you introduced her as mommy, wife, and all these other things. And you are, if I'm not mistaken, singular, right? I am single. Okay, as I am. Okay, but what I'm trying to get together now is how single, mommy, parent, how did that work? Oh, you mean us working together even though I'm single? Well, no, I I guess what I'm really talking about is uh, demands, philosophies, etc., because you're coming from two distinct positions even though you may have similar ideas, et cetera. Were there um, bumps in the road? Uh, in your... No. Okay. No, I wouldn't say so because while we come from two, two different situations, uh-huh. we come from, we both come from love of family and respect for family and the family unit. I might be single, but I am a woman of a large family like okay. and those two things make us very much more alike. I may not be raising humans, but I'm like the auntie that's got her hand in the pot with lots of humans. Yeah, I I um I didn't have any children that came through my womb, but it seems I have a universe of children, you know, uh, mm-hmm. um that mm-hmm. Uh, people called, do you want to, <laughs> I remember when I was young enough to appreciate that friends called, uh, look, you take her this weekend, I'm tired, <laughs> you know, or uh, <laughs> are we dropping them off? Or I would bet, can I have the twins? Can I do the? And so I understand what you're saying. You're not far away from it because uh, I think mothering, loving is one and the same. You know, however you get them, you got them. And if you love them, you love them. And I think I heard you say you both come from large families, right? We do, yes. That's correct. Yeah, so that'll give you training right away, right? Oh, yes. Michelle, you were talking about very uh, accurately, I think, when I first met you on the phone, about habits, right? And I talked about uh, my famous saying, the power of a habit. 
And so mm-hmm. in your uh, collaboration, as you came together, were there any habits uh, that you had to negotiate? Or let's say, what are the habits that enhanced the collaboration that you are, are building, continue to build? Oh, I think that one of the biggest habits that we each have is that we we have this uh, this deal that no matter how much time passes between conversations, we can start right back up, right again. And that might not seem like something that's a habit, but the habit of reaching out to a friend, even when it's been a while, and starting anew, that's a habit that I think a lot of people do not know. And it's one of those things where if we don't talk for a month, we can jump right back in. That's a habit because it's very easy to say we haven't talked in a month, so we shouldn't talk. Or, oh, it's, it's been too long since we talked or something like that. I like to, um, I, have, I have friends like that. And I always say we put a comma rather than a period whenever we hang up. And mm-hmm. because our lives are so diverse, but I carry them in my heart all the time. And I pray for them. And when I reach out, of course, if there's crisis, you know, there's not a space. But like you're saying, as life progresses, when you reconnect, it's uh, it's a comma, not a period. Yeah, 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 that's great. That's great. So what new habits have you established as uh, collaborators? I think one is, uh, I guess, holding us, holding each other accountable. Ah. And so, you know, um, that's something that I I can get sidetracked (laughs) pretty easy. And Michelle is very organized. So that's something that has um, helped benefit me from working with her and just seeing her habits and talking about habits. And so that is something that I've uh, tried to pick up and emulate as well. So I think that that's one with I think that sounds good. Do you have any, Michelle? Um, I try to get things. My my best bet is if I can get it done right away, I'll do it. Because if I can get it done right away, it'll get done. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one habit I try, or at least to get started on something right away. So that even if I do have to do it fast, I've got the research behind me. And that kind of helps. So, like, if Africa says, Something's coming, I start prepping for it. Okay. Because if I prep for it, then I'll have a better chance of actually being able to say, okay, I'm ready for it right away. And um, Africa, Michelle said, this uh, zebra ears was your idea? Uh, yeah, it goes it goes uh, way back. <laughs> It's a long history. I can, you know, share that with you. <laughs> yeah, I would because first of all, the title uh, when you when we were at lunch and you told me that, I immediately became intentionally listening because mm-hmm. I was waiting for the code. You know, what does that okay. mean? What does that right. mean? And um, I guess that's kind of a segue uh, to to move us uh, into uh, what you will see when you go to zebraears.com as a website. And the first thing I looked at was these words, why black and white? And I, I want you to talk about that, please. So if I can step back a little bit, um, but so the impetus for starting the zebra school kind of takes me back to when I was a little child. And so my mother 
and was largely influenced by her work. So she was a um, she was a nurse uh-huh. who worked forty years at a local hospital in the nursery. And so I was surrounded by medical books and journals and just conversations about newborns for like all of my life. And so when I decided to go to college, I was conflicted. You know, do I go into medicine? Do I go into political science? And basically decided I was going to go into um, political science and then minor in early childhood development. And so uh, after having my kids and um, just being so fascinated by the development of children, started a blog and got fixed on the name Zebra School because of the whole concept of when babies are born, the first 90 days, uh, their eyes aren't fully developed until like 12 weeks later. Mm -hmm. They see in black and white. Uh, or light and dark shadows, to be more precise. And so uh, based off of that, uh, you know, just some more research and just understanding that when babies are young, they tend to, you know, gravitate more toward black and white toys. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then the zebra school came out of that. And then there's a fascinating uh, piece of information about zebras. Zebras have, like, really keen eyesight Mm -hmm. and really good hearing, which leads us into the Zebra Ears podcast. Okay, zebra ears are interesting too, as I read. Yeah, they can move around. They can go around. Yeah, they yeah. can. They can. They can. Right. They can move their ears and you know, multiple like horses things. do. You know, like horses do. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, I kind of like that because I'm thinking of surround sound when I when I think right. of that. You know, you watch it, <laughs> and what I love about them, they may be black and white, but their stripes are unique. And so I was, you know, I was thinking about the animal as I was thinking about the podcast and reading and all. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, when, well, I guess I, I, I jumped ahead because I really wanted, because Zebra Ears came after ADK Creates, right? It, it Well, yes, yeah, so ADK Creates is my um, creative studio. And so Zebra Ears is a part of Zebra School, and Zebra Ears is a part of the ABK Create family. Okay. Well, then before we go specific, or I'm sorry, before we dig deeper, uh, talk about ADK Creative Studios. Okay. So it's a creative studio that I started, um, oh, my gosh, I want to say, whew, about seven Eight years ago, I believe, yeah, like it's been, or yeah, maybe 10 years ago. Okay. And so the Zebra, so the zebra School um, was folded into that. So basically, I was doing, uh, you know, some production work for some local businesses, just, you know, helping them set up their video shoots and things of that nature, and also uh, collaborating with uh, the film industry. And so I have a partnership that I work with the Motion Picture Association, and so um so it basically kind of started out of that, just a love for, you know, things creative. And I called my, my, my studio a laboratory. Okay. So we just don't necessarily focus on one particular creative, even though my love is film and early childhood education, but it's sort of a broad scope of just different creative projects. Now, everything you just said to me, in my mind, I, it, it seems a little juxtaposed to political science. What did you major in? Yeah, I majored in political science. So oh. I've always had a love of... <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm listening to you, and, and you're doing all of these things. You said not one thing related to that, and I thought, oh. Okay. Right. <laughs> political science, but, you know, I have a deep love of political science. My kids will 
Jill can tell you that my the TV is always on, you know, MSNBC or C-SPAN or something along those lines. And mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I still hold politics very close to my heart. And I just want to make the connection. Okay, we're good. We're good. I'm not upset about that at all, okay? Now, we've got why black and white, why zebra, why you're interested. How did you run across, how did you decide, you and um, Michelle, that she would host the podcast? Well, you know, I guess, you know, you you look out into the, the sphere and wonder, like, you know, well, I'll step back and say, for me, it's a, a lot of it's about collaboration. And I knew Michelle's work ethic. Okay. Um, you can tell now Michelle has a beautiful voice. Yes. Uh, and not only that, she's, you know, very intelligent and creative. And so I knew that partnering with her, uh, that we would, you know, definitely have great success with um, the, with this podcast. And so um, she was the first person I thought of. And I reached out to her. This was during um, the tail of the tail end of 2020. Mm-hmm. and said, Michelle, I have this idea. I'm not sure if you have the time, but I would love for you to be a part of this. And she luckily said yes to me, and I was like, so happy. So so here we are working together. I think that's wonderful. I'm going to do a handshake with Michelle because I really want to focus on the podcast, uh, Michelle. And yes. I, I was fascinated, by the way, uh, with the – I only had time to listen to one – but your interview skills, the questions you ask. I want you to talk about your goals for the podcast and how you get your guest and who is your target audience. You know, I'll ask you a lot of things, but I was very impressed with you as host. And I thought, thank you. I appreciate that very much coming from you. I appreciate that. And and I love no seriously the topics you discovered. And for me, I had to go back and uh, because I I deal with uh, three year olds and up. <laughs> and so I said one to three, one to three. Okay, so I looked at what goes on one to three locomotion and language okay why is it important prevent invent okay all right i'm checking off all these things and then i listened to the podcast afterwards and i said hmm why don't you share with let's just talk okay you're about to have a podcast let's talk about your prep let's talk about your guest how you got your guest let's talk about uh how you develop the questions are they specific for any guest or any topic uh how do you do that michelle so first and foremost africa gets our guests oh um africa has formed relationships with doctors and you know uh different people who are working with children and so she will often come to me and say i have this amazing doctor that i would love for you to talk to Ah. And so I've been fortunate that Africa will come to me. She's like, hey, I've got this doctor. Mm-hmm. And this doctor can talk about this thing. And then I go into research mode and I go, okay, what does this doctor do? Mm-hmm. What kinds of cases do they handle? And then the first question, you know, I'm not a parent, pers- you know, I'm not a direct parent. So my first goal is I am educating myself like someone who's never had a child mm-hmm. or someone who has had time with children but isn't responsible for their full care. Mm -hmm. And so I ask questions about the subject matter, about a child's hearing, a child's sight, 
you know, about how to notice things. And then I ask the one question that I ask every physician or every parent um, when I interview them is, what would someone who isn't the mom or dad or grandparent notice? Ah, Because yeah. we see different things. Mm-hmm. And while a mother might see a child every day and say, huh, you know, that thing that I saw yesterday seems a little bit odd because this other child that I spend time with isn't doing this thing or does this thing differently. Mm-hmm. For me, the question is, I see a child and I spend time with a child once in a while because I don't live with that child. What would I notice that mom and dad isn't going to notice? Mm. And that is kind of the approach that I take to almost every subject matter. So after I educate myself mm-hmm. about what's there, the next thing I want the doctor to help educate me on after he educates me, he or she educates me on the subject matter is what should people be looking for? What should mom and dad and grandma and grandpa look for? And then what should I, the friend, the aunt, the sometimes visitor, what should I notice that might be the thing that I say, hey, mom, have you looked at X? Hey, dad, have you seen Y? So that's the approach that I take whenever I'm doing one of these interviews. Well, let's let's do this. Let's do a little role play because it just seems uh, like I would not be doing an authentic job if you put those questions out there and you didn't give us some of the answers. <laughs> in what way? Tell oh, me. Okay. All right. So uh, what have you found out that people, friends, other relatives that may not be in the home from day to day might notice through their lens that a parent who's looking at the child daily may notice in a different way or not notice at all? What, what kinds of things do they say? What kind of answers do they give you? So for, let's say, a, a child's hearing, okay, children get very used to the atmosphere and environment that they're in. Mm-hmm. And so another person's voice sometimes is a different sound that might attract their attention. So if you are in a home with a child who watches you and is paying attention to you and responds to you and then someone new comes into your home and speaks and that child doesn't notice doesn't pay attention right isn't curious it's a sign that something might be wrong because children are very observant and if a new voice in a space that they're comfortable in isn't noticed that might be a sign that they're not hearing they're watching mom and dad because they know mom and dad give instructions yes but they're not hearing Per se, and so that's something that you all, you'll like. Someone will notice that isn't part of that natural household, or when it comes to sight, children are very used to listening to mom and dad's voice and following that voice to look at them. Yes, but if they don't look at a visitor the same way, or they don't pay attention to a visitor the same way, or their their sight lines are off based on you know, something new in that space, that's another sign. So it's little things like that that you as an outsider might notice that mom and dad won't notice because the focus is not on, like children naturally focus on mom and dad. I also see that. So it's the little things. I was, uh, you know, how you two can, you can look up all kinds of things. Well, I was looking up baby videos, right? And the one that almost brought me to tears was a baby in his high chair. And mommy and daddy had Pavarotti on singing. 
And at some point, they looked at the baby, and the baby was playing, you know, in the high chair, how they play with their food. And Mm -hmm. they caught their attention, and the baby was just totally, totally focused on the TV. And whoever it was filming, mom and dad, suddenly noticed their little hands, you know, dropped everything and kind of relaxed. And then as the music changed, their little feet, they did, you know, they had little bare feet, and the feet started moving to the sound. And then they were watching the baby, and pretty soon the baby started crying. And based on what you just said, okay, um, I was translating that in my mind because the baby obviously hadn't heard that voice and something about the music touched that baby's senses, right? Yeah. And, and the little baby. And so they went and picked the baby up out of the chair and held the baby. And the baby was just staring, got positioned so he could still watch the TV. And he just was like, I don't know. I guess, well, for me, it was fascinating. And based on what you said before I said that, I understand now what could have been happening. Yeah, that that's, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Okay, so, all right, tell me something else that's fascinating you learned as you're doing your research about babies and outsiders observing them differently than their parents. Not outsiders, but, yeah, non-parents. Well, it's just that people look at children differently. We compensate. If I spend time with my boyfriend all of the time, yes, I don't notice everything because I'm compensating for what I know is supposed to be there. And oh. I think the whole idea is that someone on the outside, they don't have that space to compensate for what may not be exactly right uh-huh. or what may be different. Uh-huh. Where a parent seeing a child every day may not notice something that's new, per se. It's It's... It's all part of that framing of a usual space. And so that's primarily it. But I honestly think I think Africa has probably the best reactions for for something when it comes to our podcast and how it's impacting people. Okay. Um, she told me a story recently that I was just like, okay, this is amazing. I totally I always believed in what we did, but now I truly feel like we are accessing a point where our work is so important. Well, can we share that? Yes, I think, yeah, we definitely can. And I would love to share with the audience and you. Um, so basically, I have a you know a relationship with a vendor of mine. And so we have conversations about everything, pretty much. We have a close relationship. And so she was sharing with me her concerns about her son's, um, what she noticed or thought could be related to a um, speech delay. Uh-huh. And so I was, I was, you know, just kind of hearing her, you know, share her concerns. And about two weeks prior or maybe three weeks prior, she uh, I had turned her on to the podcast that she really hadn't listened to fully yet. Okay. So after our conversation, uh, she went back and listened to the podcast. And um, it, was, it was a podcast with Dr. Murray. And he is a, um, an oncologist. And so he works out of Fairfax. And so basically he uh, was just talking about the developing, you know, babies, um, the babies developing ears. And so she listened to the podcast and actually went in and met with him. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to make a diagnosis. And so her baby ended up uh, needing um, surgery. And it was like a 10-minute surgery, but it totally changed his whole perspective. Once he, you know, emerged out of surgery, he went through a, like a small recovery. And she said she's noticed like a night and day difference in just his response 
to her, mm -hmm. to her uh, fiance. And so it's just been um, quite remarkable to see that, you know, the podcast, she was able to become educated and then not only become educated, but actually work with the doctor that was uh, interviewing the podcast. So it was something that was very heartwarming for myself and Michelle to have that happen. And what I neglected or skipped over, I just kind of got excited and immersed in the conversation is what what were the goals? What are the goals of the podcast? And uh, how are you doing? How do you measure success? You gave us an anecdotal success story, which is wonderful. Right. I'm sure there are many more. Um, what are your goals? Well, the goal is to um, to just inform parents, because I know as a, a new mom, I had a lot of questions, and I had the benefit of having a mother that worked in the hospital. And so not everyone has that uh, that close proximity to you know, uh, you know, someone that can provide advice to them. And you, you could, of course, go to your doctor, and that's the first place you should go, you know, seek information from your pediatrician. But sometimes you um, may not necessarily, you, you may just want to be informed. So you may not necessarily have a, a major question, but you just want to be informed about, you know, what could be possibly going on with your, your baby. And so the goal of the podcast was to, at least for the first season, was to be trying to, to go into that first year of a baby's development. So we started with the baby's developing eyes, the baby's developing ears. And so we just wanted to sort of give parents a sort of bird's eye view about what was happening with their baby at that particular stage in their life. And so that was the, the main goal, was just to provide a platform for new parents to learn and to, uh, to hopefully use the information in their parenting. So something just crossed my mind as I'm listening to you because that is such a healthy goal and with your contacts you have the ability to fulfill your uh the goals that you have with the communities and your high touch africa have you run across any situations with babies that have been neglected have you i mean yours is the healthy side of the ledger as i see it do you yeah. ever touch or does anyone ever say, as a result of the podcast, you know, my friend's baby may have this issue or such and such. Are you educating? Uh, have you found that your education improves the quality of lives that are not maybe in a healthy setting like the ones you represented? No, but that, that is an area that, you know, we want to touch upon in, in future podcast episodes. We have not... Um, received that type of feedback okay. uh, today, you know, so. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, uh, of course, I deal with the other side of the ledger very often, and I'm just thinking, wow, if these parents only knew there was a place where they could right. get answers aside from um, not having car fare to go to the doctor or not having a doctor to go to. Uh, or a psychologist or someone that has uh, experience, if they could just turn into a, tune into a podcast that could support them in some kind of way. That's what my right. question, that's where my court question was born, actually. Right. Right. And, and, that, and that is a serious topic. And so we uh, definitely, you know, this is our, we just pretty much launched our second season. And so we hope to have many more seasons to come and, and to be able to cover aggressive or different topics and, and concerns. Okay. So tell me what you think one of your best experiences have been. They all sound good to me, so I'll make you do the hard work. 
share a glowing success? I think, and I'll have to ask Africa if she agrees with me, I think one of our greatest successes is that we spoke to we spoke to two doctors who um, deal with children with speech impediments okay. and the like. Mm-hmm. And after we hosted them on the podcast, it went so well mm-hmm. that they started their own. <laughs> right. Now that is now seriously, that is a sign of success. Replication. Right. That is, that is. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no, nothing. No, but I, I, nothing's wrong with it. I think it's it's amazing. And I thought I said we 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 created a new space for them. And I smile whenever I think about that. I said we must be doing something right because it was so right that they're like we should keep doing this. And you know what's interesting? As we're laughing about this, I think um, it's not the Mars Venus thing, but sometimes I think. A woman's perspective walking into a male space professionally, sometimes our lens is so different. We may say one thing, they go, oh, we never thought of that, you know? And it sounds right. like this. these people said, oh, that was good. We need to do that. So yeah. um, I think that's wonderful. Well, let's, let's just fast, uh, fast forward to the next five years. What does it look like for the two of you? Dream. Well, Africa, I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, I think, well, I think for, I, would, I want to continue to serve the community, uh, and that's through, like, broadcasting good content, you know. Yes. If that is the podcast form or if it's in other media platforms. Uh, I, didn't, I haven't shared this with many people, but I'm actually writing a script right now that I hope to be produced. And so it's, you know, it kind of reaches across, um, you know, like I said, different platforms. And also, too, I want to continue to open doors to create opportunities for other people. Um, you know, one of my passions is is just trying to connect people and to, to opportunities and to each other. And because I think, like, as the topic of the show, collaboration is, is is something that we all can benefit from. Absolutely, Michelle. You want to add? So, um, same exactly to get out there and do more. Um, I'm hoping that uh, in the, within the next five years, I can use some of my personal endeavors mm-hmm. to kind of move me a little bit further away from the uh, the day-to-day office grind. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I love what I do in the sense of I love being a creative in the broadcasting space. Mm-hmm. But I also am hoping that at some point I'll get to do more of, you know, the writing and creation for myself. Okay. As well as for someone else. Um, you know, they say if you if your dreams aren't big enough and you don't go after your dreams, someone will hire you to go after theirs. And so that's true. Move into the space where mm-hmm. I get to do more of the things that I'm interested in in terms of creating and writing. So, um, but yeah, in the next five years, I suspect mm-hmm. that the podcast will add many more episodes. We'll probably move not just with learning from doctors, but learning from parents. Mm-hmm. Because so many parents are out there doing the work that they take to the doctor's office to get a diagnosis. And so I'm hoping that we'll get to talk to more of those parents. Now, say say that again, Michelle, because I think, say what you just said again, parents who are working to do their own diagnosis, right? They're doing the work. The work. Okay, that's what I want you to say again. Diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are parents out there who are doing the research. Yes, okay. They're researching all kinds of uh, issues and health issues that 
said a doctor seeing day-to-day patients just doesn't have the time to do the research on. Uh-huh. And so the parents are doing the work and bringing it to the doctors and therefore able to find diagnoses for things that a doctor by themselves might not find. So I'm hoping that we'll get to talk to more of those parents. We'll also get to talk to more doctors. We'll get to see more into what, you know, modern day families are doing to help their own health and well-being of their children. So yeah. I think we have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, well, I think and so. I think, <laughs> and I think just to piggyback a little bit on what Michelle is saying, too, is that I think the podcast is providing parents, you know, the resources and the the information to go out and be an advocate for themselves, right, to be an advocate for their children. So, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily going to maybe get everything from your doctor, but if you come with the right questions and the right information, you can ask your doctor questions that can lead to, as Michelle said, a diagnosis, you know, for your child in a way. I think to me that is uh, some of the best advice ever. I have noticed firsthand and uh, as a result of being with other people, if you are an educated consumer of health care, or allied right. health care, you get a better result. And if right. your show uh, includes that methodology and encourages, then you can't he- do anything but help your folks. Mm-hmm. And so now that's where you want to go. Let's say I wiggle my nose and I give each one of you a blank check. What would you do based on what we've talked about? What would you do? Well, I would definitely invest that. One at at a time. Okay. Let's do the alphabet. Africa, you're first. Uh, I would definitely invest in community programs that support new parents and uh, their babies and families, Uh, a wellness center um, that can support the the health of the community as well. So it it would definitely go into um, parents babies, you know, Head Start, those types of programs, I would definitely try to invest money into those. So you're looking at uh, demographics that are inclusive and diverse? Right, definitely. Okay. All right. Michelle, you're the next on the alphabet. I think on top of what um, Africa is doing, there are very, there are very many services that are close to my heart that I would definitely invest my money in mm-hmm. but I think one of the things that I'd also do is we've always talked about the idea of gathering up so many of the women that we worked with in the broadcasting industry and starting our own production company oh wow probably one of the projects that we would jump on would be to like grab those women and say okay you know what we have done this for everyone else let's do it for us now I love so it. I, I won't lie. That's if the, we had the blank check, that would be one of the projects. I love it. You know, um, they ask uh, Walt Disney why he always built the castle first. And he said that's where the magic is. And mm-hmm. so, Michelle, <laughs> uh, let's bring the magic home, right? Okay, (laughs) so uh, what else do you want, before I ask you to read your letters, what else do you want the audience to know? We just bounced around, and so I probably uh, have enough interest and ideas for a couple of more shows with you. Uh, But right now, what else would you like for the audience to know about your area 
about your love and your passion? I'm going to let Africa go first again. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, how about this? If you, if you, if that's a, a reach, how about what, what's the best advice you could give to uh, a new parent? Is that easier? Mm. No. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. I would say build a strong community around you, and that community can be, you know, your family members. It can be trusted friends. Yes. Uh, have a great relationship with your doctors from the beginning so that you feel comfortable in asking those questions. Yes. Um, and I would say arm yourself with um, as much knowledge as possible. You know, there are so many resources from you know, the internet to, I know churches have different programs, but just try to arm yourself with as much information as possible. Don't overwhelm yourself, right? Because, I mean, you have to take care of your baby, but, you know, definitely the community, uh, education, and um, and just have fun with it and know that you're going to have some ups and downs being a new parent, but there's so much joy um, mixed in there. So just, just try to embrace it and have fun. All right. I like the last part because we forget that often. Michelle, you're next. I would say don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm. There's, I have, I'm the auntie to so many children okay. um, who are the children of friends, family, cousins, and such. Don't be afraid to ask for help. There are people out there who want to be a part of your child's life for all the best reasons. Yes. And if you are, if you're in need of help, don't be afraid to ask so often. It's made to feel like a weakness if you ask for help. Don't think of it as a weakness. Think of it as an opportunity to have another perspective for your child, that person who might find that book that you didn't think that, that book that you'd never heard about that turns out to be your kid's favorite book or that stuffed animal with the really soft material that, oh, if you'd seen it, you would have bought it and somebody brought it into your life. So, yeah, I'd say don't be afraid to ask for help. There's I like that. around you who want to be a part of your child's life in a healthy way. I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, and, and that if we could remove whatever it is that prevents us from asking for help, I think we could take a giant step forward in solving the world's problems and especially those mm-hmm. of our children. Um, and, it, it's come. Yeah. And I just wanted to add one point about that, too, embracing, because I think we should embrace vulnerability because that will allow us to, you know, step out there and ask more questions because you won't have that fear attached to. Okay. All right. Well, since you're talking, you might as well start and read your letter first, Miss Africa. Okay. Pull that up. You ready? I am, yes. Okay. So this is a letter. This is a letter that I have pinned to my younger self ahead of my seventh birthday. Okay. Dear Lou, as you approach your seventh birthday, you certainly have big ideas on how that day should go. To start, your favorite cheese pizza, homemade brownies, and ice cream (laughs) will be served to all of your guests to enjoy. You will receive some special gifts from friends and family and many phone calls wishing you a happy birthday. Trust me, this birthday will be one that you will remember. You see, as you will learn to appreciate not just the big gifts that you're given, but you will grow to recognize that it is sometimes the small gifts that have the biggest impact on you. 
one small but mighty gift that you will receive this year is getting your own library card. This simple looking card will open your mind to new worlds like Alice in Wonderland, Charlotte's Web, and a host of other good books. And it will also strengthen your self-esteem when you see characters on picture books that look like you. On your weekly visits to the library, always enter with a sense of wonder and seek out new books to explore. And as you get older, you will discover an array of inspirational works written by strong and daring women. You will read As Still I Rise, As Still I Rise, a collection of poems by Maya Angelou, first published just a few years before your birth. This collection of poems will move you in, that, in their elegance and the, the boldness of the words. So as you read through the collection, pay close attention to the words of one poem in particular entitled Phenomenal Woman. This poem of, of empowerment will help you become more comfortable in your own skin and provide you with the tools you will need to ward off societal and pure. The refrain, I am a woman phenomenally, a phenomenal woman that is me, is a powerful statement of self-love that resonates with you. Recite these nine words as a daily affirmation when attempts by the world to define you in ways that you don't see yourself. Be unapologetically you. Do not stop here. You must keep reading more books that help you create the language to express yourself. Remember, life is a journey with many lessons to be unfold. Just hold on to your faith, keep your family and friends close. You got this girl. Because you are a phenomenal woman and are up to the challenges and achievements yet to come. Michelle. Okay. <laughs> uh, dear 18-year-old Michelle, I know this is a crazy time in your life when you're questioning everything. It all seems very big right now. Let me promise you it's okay. This is the small stuff. I don't mean that this isn't important to you, but one day you will look back and laugh. If I promise you that you'll be okay, I should give you a little bit to think about. And here are a few things that will help guide you as you move forward. Your education, there will be a time when you're struggling to get through your degree and you'll consider walking away. There's no failure in walking away and taking a break. You'll come back to it and finish. And one day you'll get your degree and your mother will be seen jumping up and down in the aisles. The joy is the proof that all you've been through to get this. Your health, you've had your taste at a tough time and unfortunately there will be bad days. There will be hospital stays and medical appointments and lots of medication. You'll have moments when you think you don't have anything left to fight. You'll make it. You'll have the support to do so. So lean into it, your heart. Don't worry about it. You won't find the love of your life early in the process, but you'll have a great time. Strangely, you'll find yourself loving and caring for someone you didn't expect when he returns to your life. You'll be tempted to push him away. When it comes to love, you need to know just one thing. Your heart comes first. Love you, and you'll find that love comes completely differently. Grief. Grief is proof that, loving, that you've loved someone, and so much that lo losing them is painful. You'll know grief. You'll lose people you love. You'll have moments when you will sit stunned and won't be able to breathe for the sadness. Grieve, then get up. The proof of existence for those who have lo you've loved and lost is in those that they leave behind. Tell your loved ones that you love them with your words and your deeds every day. And just a note, you have no idea how young you are. Never put age in front of your willingness to try something. 
lead with your excitement, not your fear. Say yes sometimes. And remember that sometimes saying no to someone else is saying yes to yourself. Work hard, but don't forget to play. Try not to complain. It's a waste of time. Focus on your dream. You're Cheryl's daughter, and she would want no less for you. Well, my guests today have been Africa Bell Kathuria and Michelle Sandifer. Game-changing entrepreneurs focused on the quality of the first three years of a child's life and host of Zebra Ears podcast. I have a little something for your soul food for the next week until we meet. And it's called, It's Always, There Is Always More. If by chance no one has told you today that they love you, I'd be honored to be the first to say, I love you today. I love you because you are and have been willing to grow. And my, have you grown. You've grown from struggling to searching, from trying to do something to learning how to do. You've grown from fear to having faith, to demonstrating your culture. You've grown in many ways, consistently demonstrating your willingness and courage to take the next step, the step toward the profound and divine wisdom buried within yourself. The step toward knowing more about yourself. That's exactly why I love you. You are profoundly divine. Remember, your seat at the table is guaranteed. I look forward to next time. Remember, you're worthy. Stronger than you feel. Smarter than you think. More beautiful than you know. And more love than you can ever imagine. Treat yourself like someone you love. This is Tyra G. Living intentionally and loving you.